So as we look at our passage this morning, I kind of have a title this morning. It's Our Response to Fear. And you know, when I think of this subject, it made me think, you know, why do women ever get married? You know, before Bethany and I got married, I remember seeing her bed one time. It was like a work of art. It was super nice. It had like eight levels of sheets and blankets on it, 27 pillows, all carefully crafted in some awesomeness. And if you go to our bed today, it's like one blanket and two pillows. And I guarantee you it's not because she wants it that way, okay? I mean, it's just like, I just can't figure it out. Like, it seems like everything about her life has gotten worse. I mean, the laundry load has like tripled because my clothes are twice as big as hers, you know? I mean, it's crazy. Why do women get married? I just can't, can't figure it out. Does it seem to be working for her? And then I realized the reason she got married, it, I, I bet it's why a lot of women get married. It's fear. You say, well, fear of what? It's the fear of spiders, Women are irrationally afraid of spiders. It's just like once a year or so, I get to be the hero and kill the spider. And it's like, this is it. This is the only reason I, she keeps me around. I've decided right there. You know, women sometimes are like irrationally fear of spiders. We all kind of have these phobias. But like fear makes us do weird things, doesn't it? I mean, is there anything that maybe you're especially afraid of? Maybe it's not spiders. Maybe it's just something else. You know, some people are kind of afraid of clowns or they're afraid of different things. And when you have that fear, it doesn't actually matter what the real danger is. It still creates an incredible response, right? It creates an emotional response, creates a physical response. You're scared of that mouse and suddenly, you know, you're you know, shooting a shotgun at that thing. You know, I mean, the, the fear will make you do incredible things. And today we're going to get to see in a situation and acts where the people have reason to be afraid and we are going to see them and their response to this fear that they have. We're kind of concluding the story of the healing of the lame man. We kind of had the story of the healing. Then we, of course, had uh, the, the leaders go before the um, religious leaders and whatnot. And so now we're going to kind of finish up that story this morning. And it says in verse 23 in Acts chapter 4, when they were released, so these are the apostles that were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and what the chief priests and elders said to them. Once again, this is like a close knit community. They went back to this close knit community of believers and they told them what had happened. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together in God and said, "So, what is their first response when they see this? Because what have they been commanded? Speak no more, right? Speak no more. Speak no more." So when they hear that they're supposed to speak no more, their instant response is prayer. And today we're just going to talk a little bit. It's going to, not going to be long, but we're going to talk a little bit about their response of this prayer. They say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They start their prayer recognizing who God is. You know, sometimes we do that in our prayers today, and like I sometimes used to notice it as a pattern at one point. I couldn't really, wasn't sure why we do that, but it's done here, and I think it's done other places in Scripture where you start out your prayer recognizing who God is, giving Him credit for who He is before you go into the 
and could you do, do this for me, and could you do that for me, or whatever it is that we're praying to him about. We start out recognizing who is. Sovereign Lord, the one who's in control, right? We're praying to you because you have the control. You can make a difference in this situation. The people, the people probably can't make that much of a difference. They feel like they don't have the power. They're not in the, they don't have the army behind them. They don't have the leadership. But they trump above all of that, and they say, Sovereign Lord, they recognize him as the one who can do everything, who made everything, and has the power. We go on to verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and then he quotes Psalm 2, verse 1. He says, why did the Gentiles rage? And this rage is like a, like a spirited animal. Have you ever had horses? You ever tried to have a horse that wasn't broken? And how much they fight, you know? If you have a horse that's tied up, and they'll be tied up to like a, even like a phone pole, like a, like a telephone pole. We had an old wooden telephone pole. And we had one of our horses was tied up to it and just just got mad for some reason. I can't remember. I wasn't around. But you like you look at the telephone pole, and it's like you can see it's starting to tear it out of the ground. I mean, he was mad. I assume the telephone pole wasn't the greatest in the world. But, I mean, them animals, when they get angry, they are strong. And this is the idea here. When the Gentiles rage and the people, people's plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against who? The Lord and against his anointed, this is always thought to be a reference to the Messiah. The Gentiles were thought to be, and the kings of the earth, they've set themselves to go against the Messiah. And really, the Jews, they always thought this verse meant it was only the Gentiles. Surely, surely the Jews would recognize the Messiah, right? Certainly the Jews wouldn't rage against the Messiah. They would crown him king. But of course, that's not what happens, right? Who is the ones that crucifies Jesus? Well, it was the Jews. Was it all the Jews? No, it was Jews and Gentiles, of course. Because we go on, and it says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servants whom you anointed, both Herod, who's a Gentile, and Pontius Pilate, who's a Gentile, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, all are culpable, Right? So it's like sometimes we get in these debates on whose fault it was, who crucified Jesus, like everyone's fault. Okay, so like trying to divvy it up is just not accurate. You say, well, how is it Herod's fault? He wasn't there. And of course, Herod, you know how it kind of works, you know. Sometimes if you have people that work for you, and let's say you just have a really big organization or whatever, and there's like many people down the line, maybe some of them you don't even know, and they do something bad, guess whose fault it is? Well, it's kind of their fault, but it ultimately ends up on you, right? So Herod's responsible for this in a way. Pontius Pilate, of course, was there when uh, Jesus was said to be crucified, along with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They raged. They gathered together. And what did they do? Exactly what God wanted them to do. Exactly what God wanted them to do. Exactly what was chosen beforehand to take place. We've talked about things like predestination before, and so I'm not going to give a bunch of examples or anything to try to explain it this morning or, or give my take on it or whatnot, but it seems quite clear here that Jesus coming to die was all part of the plan. That was what was supposed to happen. 
And so those that thought they were taking down the Messiah or taking down what they thought would have been a fake Messiah, in reality, were just actually accomplishing the plan that God had put in place long ago. And then they recognize this. They recognize these people in power. And now they start to make the request. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders to perform through the name of your holy servant Jesus. First few things I want to point out are what their responses were not. So I don't know about you, but I would be a little nervous, like, like a little afraid at this point, right? We were told by the people in power not to speak. And while maybe the apostles were so brave in front of them, maybe I'm not quite so brave. And when we are in fear, what do we do? We act in very crazy ways. I've been listening to a podcast called Hardcore History. It's like uh, 15 hours or something on World War I. Men would sit in trenches. The bombardment would start. It would go on for four straight hours in one battle, longer in others. But in this particular case that I'm talking about, it was four straight hours. It was incredible. They had a sophisticated system. They would drop one bomb, and what it would do is give this certain kind of smoke or whatever to make the guys take their gas masks off. And then they would have the barrage of the type of gas that would kill them if they didn't have their gas masks on. And then they would come with all the bombs that created all the shrapnel in order to get them if they had run away or tried to escape all the gas. I mean, like they got it down to a system. I mean, World War I was just brutal. It was just, oh, it was awful. I mean, World War I started out with people with like bright colored clothing and like swords and cavalry and they'd go out and then machine gun goes, 100,000 men dead like that. I mean, it was brutal. And what do you think happened to those men that were sitting there in those trenches waiting? Some of them went, literally went bonkers. I mean, they lost it. I mean, I, can you imagine? Brutal. When we fear, our, we have this response. We have this response. You know, this, this week we've had, had shootings, and, and if you read the manifestos of the people that shoot, it's like they're afraid of something. They're afraid. They're scared. Doesn't matter how real the threat is or is not. They're afraid, and that's all you need. That's all you need. As long as you're scared enough you will do something. And we have times in our lives we're afraid, don't we? We're afraid. We're scared. You know, maybe we're not, maybe thankfully we're not in trenches. Bombs aren't coming at us. I'm certainly thankful I never had to go through anything like that. I'm thankful other people did, so I don't have to. But we have things that we're afraid of. And sometimes when we have that fear, our responses are aggressive. Aggressive. What do you do when you fear? Fight or flight. 
Fight or flight. You're scared. You think you're just something as simple as you afraid you're going to fail your class in school. I mean, just something simple like that. And like for those of us who are older, like failing one class in high school seems like like that was so long ago. Who cares or whatever, right? But like at the time, it's like you're so scared. You might attack that teacher. You might make up stuff about people in the school. You might, who knows what you might do, right? You're scared. You're, you don't want to fail that class if you're afraid. Or maybe you run away. You, you maybe not actually run away, but you start not paying attention. You just not think about it. You just start failing, failing, failing. You just push it out of your mind. You run, right? We get afraid. We do things. And so these people here, they're afraid. And, and you think you might say, well, what they need to do is they need to get together and fight. You know, it says in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. That I might be delivered, might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. They did not start shooting people when they were afraid. Did they... Did they run? Did they stop talking? Did they get scared? Just be quiet? Did they just flee the situation? And now, Lord, look upon their hearts. They say, God, look at this situation. You know this situation. And what do they say? And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Lord, we're scared, and what are we going to do? We're going to keep doing the right thing. We're going to keep doing the right thing. And in this passage, it's clear, sometimes their life is not as obvious what the right thing is, but here they know they're supposed to preach the word of God, and even though they're afraid, they just say, give us the courage to continue to speak. And of course, they know God is behind them. They see his healing hand. They see his signs and there's wonders performed. And they saw them performed in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They got this confirmation. Don't you wish every time you prayed, you got a confirmation like that? It would be great, wouldn't it? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued speak the word of God with boldness. You know, I, I can't, I'm not all-knowing. I, I don't know everything. I, I don't know what the right thing to do in every situation is particularly. But I know this, when we're afraid, when we're afraid and we start getting these emotions, and we start wanting to react and we want to fight or flight or we, we need to do something, we need to do something, you know what one thing I know we should always do? We should always do the right thing. No excuses. No excuses. Yeah, but Joel, the, these bad things are going to happen to me, and sometimes you got to fire, fire with fire. No, no, no. You do the right thing. You do the right thing. The, the believers here didn't say, well, they're getting, they're getting nasty. It's time for us to get nasty. 
they did the right thing. And even when we're afraid, and maybe, maybe we have reasons to be afraid, we know we need to do the right thing. God is in control. He's sovereign. We know we can trust him. And we need to continue to do what he asks us to do. And not just resort to our base instincts. We need to be on a higher plane that God would have us on. Continue to do the right thing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much. And Lord, we know it's hard. You know, we, just, we, we get in situations where we're scared. And we just, you know, we just do stuff. And uh, it seems to make sense at the time. And Lord, I just pray that we would be able to, even in times when we're afraid, that we would be able to say, Lord, I know I just need to keep doing the right thing. There's no excuses to do things I shouldn't. I need to keep doing what you would have me to do. It's easy for me to say, hard for us to do. I just pray that you would give us the strength. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.